I'm excited to have him here this morning. Um, he is not only uh, a wonderful believer in Christ, he is a pastor in the church where I came from in Fairfax, Virginia, and he's actually pastoring singles, which is what I interned doing. So that's what joy to see. So he's leading worship and singles there. He's married to his wife, Emma, with four lovely children, and he soon, we'll be hearing from him as well, but he soon will be heading out to plant a church in Japan, and we are excited to see the gospel go forward in Japan so that they can experience the same life-changing gospel that Seda and we have experienced, by God's grace. So Seda, thanks for being here with us this morning. Welcome, and can we welcome Seda as he comes, please? Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Wow, thank you so much. Uh, it's so good to be here. And just so everyone is clear, Mark is a lot older than I am. Um, I'm <laughs> much more cheerful, he says. Oh, man, Matt, thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. We were down here this weekend uh, to attend a conference uh, put on by uh, a PCA denomination. And as much as I love my Presbyterian brothers and sisters, uh, the worship was a little different. And so when I came here this morning and started singing, I felt, man, this is home. This is home. And uh, just hearing you all singing loudly, clapping, saying yes and amen and, you know, yelling at Jesus, uh, that was just so good for my soul. So thank you. Uh, it's good to be here to worship the Lord with you all. Um, and Matt, thank you. Matt was actually, when I got, when I got saved down in Texas, Waco, Texas, Baylor University at a conference, uh, there were three guys who prayed with me when I got saved, and Matt was one of them. Uh, that was almost 17 years ago. So it's, it's just surreal for me to stand up here sharing a pulpit with Matt, and, uh, I'm just so grateful to God that I get to be here at Matt's church and, uh, bring God's word to you this morning. So, thank you for having me. Well, I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> I'll be reading most of the chapter under under different points. Uh, so I would invite you to open to Acts chapter 8. And before we start reading God's Word, let us pray and ask the Lord to help us. A gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning as your redeemed people, redeemed by the blood of your Son Jesus, by his life and death and resurrection, so that we may have the hope of eternal life and hope of spending eternity with you in your immediate presence to worship you forever and ever for your greatness and for your great salvation. But this great salvation is not just meant for us, but for the rest of the world who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And we do pray that you would use this Sunday, this passage, this message to mobilize us to take the gospel, not only here in Greenville, but throughout the United States and throughout the rest of this world, we pray for the advancement of the gospel around the globe. And would you send us your spirit to hear your voice, your powerful voice speaking to us through your word, all for your glory, for the advancement of the glories of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I recently heard a conference speaker tell a story about a missionary couple, a husband and a wife, who were serving in some, somewhere in the Middle East, and they were driving through a remote part of the country, and they stopped at a store to get some water. And as they drove up to the store, there was a man leaning against the wall of the store with a gun. And the wife says to the husband, hey, I really think we should give him a Bible. The husband says, I don't think so. But wife insisted and slips a Bible in his pocket. So husband goes out, goes into the store. The man with the gun follows him into the store. And eventually they come back. And the husband with the water comes, comes back in and shuts the door, sits down. And wife goes, 
You didn't give me the Bible, did you? Nope. I prayed about it. Didn't feel right. After a friendly exchange that happened in a car, husband eventually gets out and hands this man the Bible. The man takes the Bible and kisses the Bible and says to this man, says to the husband, three days ago in a dream, I was told to wait here for someone to give me the book of life. Thank you for giving me this book of life. The gospel of Jesus Christ transforms this man's life. It grabs hold of this man's life and transformed him into the follower of Jesus Christ. And this man, this, this man with a gun went on to be a martyr in his, in his country for his faith in Jesus. Now I tell you this, I'm telling you this story not to, uh, recommend emulating this man's example uh, of going to going to a man with a gun but this story illustrates the fact that the gospel of jesus christ is the power of god for all who believe the gospel of jesus christ is the greatest news that anyone can ever hear and it's a powerful message and god through the gospel of his son jesus christ is still saving people everywhere around the globe the gospel is the power of god This good news that God who made the universe would love us so much despite our rejection of Him, despite our disregard of Him countless times, He would love us so much that He would send His Son to die on the cross for our sins and raise Him up from the dead so that we can have, for all who believe in Him, can have the hope of eternal life. This good news. You and I know, if you are a Christian, you and I know that this news changed everything in our lives. This news turned my life upside down, and I'm sure it has for you as well. This is the greatest news, and it's the only hope of salvation for mankind. But when it comes to sharing this good news with someone, I hesitate. When it comes to opening my mouth to share this good news with someone, we often hesitate, don't we? We don't have to, we don't have to see a gun to hesitate. You know, we can, we can sometimes see this apparent barrier for the gospel, apparent obstacle for the gospel, whether it's, we think, because, uh, this, this person is so worldly, this is not gonna work, he's not gonna respond to the gospel, or he, he comes from a totally different worldview, whether, whether he's a Muslim or Mormon, or, so based on worldview or worldliness, we, we see these apparent obstacles and we, we are demotivated to sh- share the gospel. We're not motivated to share the gospel because we think it's not going to work. This is not gonna work. So the question for us this morning is, what will help us? What is going to sustain our resolve to, to engage, continue to be faithful to this mission that Jesus has given to us? Jesus has given us this mission. He has entrusted to the church this mission to be his witnesses, witnesses of his death and resurrection. He has entrusted to us this mission. So what will sustain a resolve to be faithful, to engage in the mission that Jesus has given to the church. Well, I want to, I want to say to you that this morning from Acts chapter 8, God wants us to see. So what, what we need for us to be faithful to this mission is to see the, the unstoppable progress of the gospel. The gospel is Progress of the gospel is unstoppable, and that's what God wants us to see in His Word, so that we can have confidence in His power, in His power to, to, to advance the gospel throughout the world. And that's what we're going to see. That's what we get to see. We're going to see how the risen Lord Jesus advances His gospel across all perceived barriers to the ends of the earth. That's what we get to see in Acts chapter 8. So this passage of God's word calls us to behold the unstoppable progress of the gospel across all barrier to the ends of the earth. And we're going to highlight three, at least three barriers that the gospel broke through from this chapter, chapter eight. And the first one is this, the gospel breaks through opposition. The gospel breaks through opposition. We're going to read uh, verses one through eight. Acts chapter 8. So please draw your attention 
to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Just a little bit of context. In chapter, chapters 1 through 8, uh, 1 through 7 in Acts, we, we see that the gospel spread among the Jews in Jerusalem. And in chapter 8, Stephen, one of the, one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, gets killed for preaching Jesus. He, he was stoned to death. And the story picks up right there in chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So after the death of Stephen, verse 1 tells us that a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And Christians were dragged, dragged literally dragged out of their houses by Saul and, and they were committed to prison. They were thrown into jail by Saul. Now verse 1 tells us that as a result of this great persecution, hundreds if not thousands of Christians in Jerusalem were scattered all over that region. Regions beyond Jerusalem. Now, humanly speaking, this was an apparent setback, apparent defeat of the church. But look at what happens next in uh, verse 4. Look at verse 4. Luke tells us, Now those who were scattered, as a result of persecution, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Isn't that amazing? They went about preaching Jesus wherever, wherever they went. Wherever they were scattered to, they went about preaching Jesus. They went wherever, where, excuse me, they went wherever they went more as missionaries bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ rather than as, as more as refugees. They went about preaching the word. And verse one tells us where the, the locations of where the, these people went, these Christians went. Look at verse one. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Judea and Samaria. These, these are precisely the geographical locations mentioned in the great commission Jesus gave to his people in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus promised. And we see in this chapter, chapter 8, this beginning of this outward expansion of the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, we see this gospel moving outside of Jerusalem for the first time to Samaria. It's this beginning of outward progress and expansion of the gospel. This was a pivotal moment in the history of the church and the history of God's redemption. And it was, it was this great persecution, this active, horrible opposition that God used to mobilize his people to, to, to take the gospel to Samaria, to take the gospel to these places. In other words, God used this great opposition. God used persecution to serve his mission. God used this persecution, may, may persecution serve his mission to further his purposes. God turned this persecution on his head and used it to spread the gospel further. Isn't that amazing? Don't we have an amazing God who turns opposition into opportunities? Now, I heard uh, recently read a book uh, about two Iranian women uh, who were arrested in 2009, March 2009. These two U Iranian women 
uh, were arrested for preaching Jesus. Their only crime was following Jesus, and and they spent 259 days in Iran's notorious Evan prison. But after after they were released from prison, here here's what they said about their experience in prison. Listen to this. We were in the best place we had ever been for witnessing for people to people hungry for the gospel of Jesus. We had spent ourselves and our resources traveling all over the country with a message of salvation, always mindful of the danger if the wrong person overheard us. Now we were stuck in jail and God was bringing spiritual seekers to us in waves and we could tell our fellow prisoners the story of Jesus openly because no one would come into this rat hole to spy on us. Isn't that amazing? They had more success for the gospel in jail than when they were outside jail. The people who arrested them thought that they were stopping them from spreading this good news Spreading the gospel, but Jesus and his gospel will not be opposed by any human opposition whatsoever. Our God is the God who turns opposition into opportunities. He's the all-sovereign and wise and powerful God who brought about the salvation for mankind through the most horrific event, horrific Opposition in all of history. The killing of the Son of God. This God can turn any opposition into opportunity for the gospel. Pastor John Piper once said this, God rules over the sufferings of the church and causes them to spread spiritual power and the joy of faith in a lost world. It is not his only way, but it does seem to be a frequent way. Therefore, we must not judge too quickly the apparent setbacks and tactical defeats of the church. If you see things with the eyes of God, the master strategist who cannot lose because he's omnipotent, what you see in every setback is the positioning for a greater advance and a greater display of his wisdom and power and love. What you see in every setback, every opposition, is the positioning for a greater display of God's glory. That's the kind of God that we get to serve. The world around us, the world around us is increasingly becoming intolerant of Christianity. In the name of tolerance, they are intolerant of Christianity. It's reflected in the churches being forced out of meeting in public schools, Christian groups on college getting kicked off campus, and it's reflected in the changing laws in our country. We may not be in any danger of physical harm, physical opposition, but the reality is this. If we are faithful to open our mouth to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will face opposition one way or another. Jesus said this. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's the reality for us. If we are faithful to open our mouth, we will face opposition. But no matter what kind of opposition we may face, or some of you may be facing opposition right now uh, by your family member or co-worker or a friend at school, Some of you may be facing opposition right now, but no matter what kind of opposition we face right now, we can be sure of this one thing. Our God has the power to break through any opposition and use it to further His purposes and to advance His gospel. So the first barrier that the gospel broke broke through is opposition. Second, the gospel breaks through religious barriers. Chapter 8, verse 9. We're going to read uh, several verses here. Uh, Verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him. Because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, 
they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And in the rest of the, rest of the passage, uh, verses 14 through 24, 25, the apostles go, uh, go, go to Samaria, prayed for them, and the Holy Spirit falls down on them, just as Holy Spirit fell uh, upon the, the Christians in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost confirming that the Samaritans had received the gospel. God has invited them into his kingdom. So after the persecution hits the church in Jerusalem, verse 5 tells us Philip went down to Samaria. Now this, this expression, Philip went down to Samaria, we, we, what we need to understand is that this move, Philip going down to Samaria was a courageous move, a bold move on Philip's part because bad feelings existed between the Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans were part Jewish by heritage, and, but, but they also mixed the worship of God with, with some pagan practices, idolatrous practices of, of the pagan nations around them. Now, as an example, Luke tells us that these Samaritans paid attention to this musician named Simon, uh, they call him, in verse, verse 10, Luke tells us that these people, Samaritans, call this musician, Simon, power of God that is called great. They were deceived. And because of these syncretistic practices, there was a deep division between the Samaritans and the Jews. There was a deep religious chasm between these two people groups. So humanly speaking, Philip went down to an enemy ter- territory. He was behind enemy lines. And humanly speaking, there were many, many barriers that, that he could see for the gospel. It wasn't a place where, where you would have expected to see a lot of success. But as Philip faithfully proclaimed the good news of Jesus, look at what happened in verse 6. As Philip opened his mouth to proclaim Jesus, verse 6 says, the crowds with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And the Holy Spirit authenticated Philip's message, the message of the gospel through signs and wonders. The, the unclean spirits come out of many people, the sick are healed, and, this, and the Samaritans respond to the gospel. But the power of the Spirit, verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. This was a momentous occasion for the church. The Holy Spirit broke through this centuries-old religious barriers and brought salvation to the Samaritans for the first time. As Philip proclaimed the gospel, he opened his mouth to proclaim the glories of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit used that to save the Samaritans. Now, in his book, Pastor David Platt, in his book Radical, you know, tells a story about a Christian man in Indonesia who went around to Muslim village, villages to preach the gospel. And one of those villages, uh, this Christian man encountered a, a Muslim witch doctor who wanted to fight him, not just debate with him, but who wanted to physically fight him. Now, this Christian man pulls up a chair in front of him, sits down, and says to him, I don't do the fighting. My God will do the fighting for me. And next thing you know, as the witch doctor tried to speak, he couldn't breathe. He started gasping for air. And all these people started running toward them and to, to, to observe what was happening, to see, find out what's going on. And within minutes, this witch doctor falls down dead. And this Christian man thought, well, this would be a great opportunity to, to share the gospel. So he opens his mouth and preaches Jesus, his death and resurrection. And many people in this village come to know Jesus Christ. Now, a story like this. Now, I'm not recommending that we emulate this person's example. But stories like this are happening around the world. They're still happening around the world. And it's a reminder that the same Jesus, same Jesus who through Philip by his spirit cast out demons and healed the sick, 
2,000 years ago, this same Jesus is still alive and doing his work around the world, saving people and raising people from the dead. And he, his name has, still has the power to break through any barrier for the gospel. The glorious name of Jesus still has the power to save people. And he can, he can break through any barrier over any other false gods to bring the most hardened hearts to faith in him. But his people, Christians, we need to proclaim the good news of his death and resurrection. Whether the person that, that we're reaching out to is a Muslim or Mormon or, or any other religion or someone who worships money or possessions or whatever they may, whatever they may be, no matter how far we think they are from receiving the gospel, there's no one. You might be thinking of someone right now. There's no one who is outside the reach of Jesus. As we faithfully open our mouth to proclaim his glory, he can use that to bring that person from death to life. Isn't that amazing? The gospel not only breaks through opposition, but the gospel can break through any religious barriers. I'm not just talking about different religions, Muslim, Mormon, Buddhist, whatever. I'm talking about the religion of materialism, worldliness, worshiping possession, money, whatever. The gospel will break through any barriers. Third, the gospel finally breaks through cultural barriers as well. We're going to read uh, verses 26 through all the way to the end of the chapter. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went and there was, a, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can de- describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What, pre- what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now Philip, when he was in Samaria, a big city, when he was in Samaria, he had a massive success in this city. Many, as he preached the gospel, they were, and cast out demons and unclean spirits and healed many, many people. Many people came to Jesus. He had a massive success in the city. But now the angel of the Lord tells him to, to go to this road that no one really traveled. This this verse tells us, verse 26 tells us that this road was a desert place. Very few people traveled. Now, 
if you were Philip, this, this must have seemed like an odd command. I just had massive success in the city. Many people came to know the Lord. Many people got saved. Why would the angel of the Lord send me to a place where so few people travel? But Philip listens to the Holy Spirit and the angel of the Lord and Philip obeys and goes and he finds this Ethiopian man, probably, most likely, a black African, obviously a foreigner. He was traveling in a chariot, we were told, and back then, only very wealthy people traveled like that. It was it was almost like a, an ancient equivalent of a private jet. So he was traveling on this private jet and and he finds this man. Luke also tells us that he was an official of the queen of Ethiopia. And he was in charge of all her treasures. Probably he was, he was like a, a, a U.S. secretary of, of, of uh, treasure, treasury or something like that. He was a rich and powerful man, but obviously a foreigner. But he was also, we're told, a God-fearing man. He, he had come to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. But he was a foreigner. And not, long, not only he was, a foreign, was he a foreigner, but we're also told that he was, he was a eunuch. So most likely, probably, when, when he went to Jerusalem, he was most likely forbidden from entering into the assembly of God. He was an outsider, outcast. He could not enter the assembly of God because the Jewish law prohibited any castrated man to enter the assembly of God. So Philip had absolutely nothing in common with this man, rich and powerful, but a foreigner and a eunuch who was forbidden to enter the temple. Very unlikely candidate for conversion to Jesus. It was an uncomfortable assignment. Philip had nothing to... Nothing in common with this man. But the Spirit tells Philip to go to him. So he obeys. He listens. He was attentive. And he obeys. And when he approached the chariot, he overhears this eunuch reading Isaiah. And this eunuch was probably uh, particularly interested in Isaiah. Because in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah uh, tells, uh, tells us that eunuchs will be in, included in the people of God. So he, was, he probably had a particular interest in this book. And this eunuch was reading not just any passage in Isaiah, but one of the one of the clearest messianic passages that pointed to the person and work of Jesus, Isaiah chapter fifty-three. And so the man invites Philip to come into his chariot, and and this man asks him, "Hey, who is this about? Who is the prophet talking about himself or about someone else?" Now, talk about an obvious open door for the gospel. Talk about an obvious and, and ready-made evangelistic opportunity. It says in verse 35, here's what Philip did. Look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He just opened his mouth. You see how the Holy Spirit had been preparing this man to receive, hear and receive the gospel. And all Philip had to do was to open his mouth, faithfully open his mouth, to, to, to explain to him the glories of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit did the rest. The Spirit opened the eyes of this eunuch and he responds to the gospel and he is baptized and saved. All Philip did was to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading and obeyed and opened his mouth. Now, we don't know for sure, but in the second century, a man named Irenaeus wrote that this eunuch became a missionary to Ethiopia and, and became the founder of the Ethiopian church. Ethiopia was considered the end of the earth in the known world back then. So Luke is showing us how the gospel broke through this cultural barrier and the gospel was going to the ends of the earth. That's what he is showing us. This was the beginning of the fulfillment of Jesus' command and promise to his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Jesus was beginning to fulfill that promise. When Philip went to this man with whom he had nothing in common. 
You know what Philip was doing? He was following the footsteps of Jesus. He was emulating Jesus' example. Jesus, this eternal Son of God, who shared this eternal glory and eternal comforts in heaven with the Father and the Holy Spirit, he left that glorious throne in heaven and came to be with people that he had nothing in common with. People like us. Sinful, rebellious, ignorant people. He had nothing in common with us, but he came. He came to tell us that there is a way for us to have a relationship, have a living relationship with our maker and creator. Philip was just following Jesus' example. And this same Jesus who sent Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch 2,000 years ago, he is still acting, he's still advancing his gospel, he's still continuing his mission, and now calls us, calls the church to leave our comforts and to, to, to go to people whose language is different than us, whose skin color is different, different than us, whose worldviews are different than us. He is calling us to go to people who are not like us. So that we can communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just as the Holy Spirit prepared the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch to, to hear and receive the good news of Jesus and orchestrated all these events in, in, in this story to, and, and bring, to bring Philip just at the right time, just, just to the right place so that he can share the gospel with him. This same Holy Spirit is still acting and still at work in our lives, in the lives of others that we are seeking to reach out to. I wonder how many people that you already know and you have been seeking to, to reach out to. And I wonder how many of those people the Holy Spirit is preparing to hear and receive the gospel through you and through me. By the Spirit's power, the gospel can break through any barrier, any perceived barrier. Different language, different culture, different worldview, different religion. The gospel can break through any cultural barriers and reach the most unlikely candidates and transform them into the follower of Jesus. 17 years ago, there was a group of believers from Sovereign Grace Church in Fairfax who reached out to a man from another country, another culture, another worldview. I came from Japan, and this group of people at Sovereign Grace Church, they welcomed me into their community. They they took me under their wings, and they took me to places. They, they reached out to me. They invited me into their family, to this community. They treated me just like any of, any of their family members. They invited me to read the Bible with them. They took me through the Bible and explained to me the meaning of Jesus' death, life, death, and resurrection. And they prayed for me. And they consistently loved me in this, in this loving community. And God eventually graciously opened my eyes to see the glories of Jesus. And I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. That was almost 17 years ago. And now, 17 years later, God has changed me. God has transformed me. I'm preparing to go back to Japan so that I can preach the gospel in my own language to my own people. And this can happen because, because this group of people, and Matt was one of them, they loved me, a man from another culture, whose skin color was different than them, whose worldview was totally different than theirs. They loved me, and they shared the gospel with me. As I think about what the Lord has done in my life. I just, I, just, I just can't help but believe that there are so many other people here in the United States from another country, other, other, other places in this world, that God wants to, to, 
for you to go to them to share the gospel and God wants to save them so that they can take, take the gospel back to their own countries. I just can't help but believe that there are many other people from all over the world who live right in our midst whom God wants to save and use them to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. There are many students, scholars, and immigrants from all over the world who live right in our midst in the U.S., some of whom are from countries that you and I would have a hard time bringing the gospel to. Some of these restricted countries um, where Christians are persecuted actively, but, but these people can go back and share the gospel in their own language, in their own context, to their own people. So let's pray. Let's pray for eyes to see and ears to hear the Spirit's voice telling us to go to people that are not like us, to, to, to hear and see d- these divine appointments like the one Philip had with the eunuch. Let's be willing to leave our comfort zone so that, so that we can go across the street. And sometimes we don't, we don't, we don't even have to go across the ocean to reach someone, uh, uh, from another country. All we have to do is to go across the street, go across the cubicle at work and go across the aisle in classrooms to reach someone with the gospel. Acts chapter 8, this chapter helps us to see the unstoppable progress of the gospel over every barrier to the ends of the earth. And I believe God has yet more of his power and glory to show us in the advancement of his gospel, to show us in the work of spreading the gospel, uh, both here in Greenville and across, around the globe. I know God wants to show us his glory and his power as we seek to spread his gospel. Now, God certainly doesn't need any of us. He can use anything. He can, he can speak through a donkey. He certainly doesn't need us, but he graciously invites us. He invites us to participate in the work that he is doing around the world to, to bring someone from death to life by, by faithfully preaching the gospel, proclaiming the glories of Jesus, and he can use us. Isn't that amazing that we get to be a part of what God is doing? We get to be a part of God's saving work in someone else's life simply by being faithful to open our mouth to share the glories of Jesus. He wants to use us. He graciously invites us to to participate in his mission. What a privilege. So let us be willing. Let us be willing. Say to God, God, I'm willing. God, here's my life. Here's a blank check. Write whatever you want. I am willing. Let us be willing to leave our comfort and open our mouth to keep speaking the good news of Jesus, trusting that the Holy Spirit is preparing people's hearts and will lead us to people who will receive the gospel and he will break through any barrier and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth for the glory, honor of Jesus' name. Let's pray. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God, we pray, use us to that end. Empower us by your spirit. Lead us to people that you want us to go to. Help us, empower us. Help us to be faithful, to open our mouth. To share the glorious news of your son, Jesus Christ. And his life, death, and resurrection. 
use us for your glory and for the advancement of the gospel both here, locally, and globally around the world. We pray all these things for your glory. In the name of our mighty Savior Jesus. Amen. We're going to take a couple of minutes to respond. If you could stand, please. Um, in response, I want us to do a few things. I want us to pray that God would open up our own eyes and our own hearts to see just how great a salvation is that we have, that he's given to us. I want our hearts to be stirred afresh with faith for God to work in our own lives, faith for God to work through us and in our neighborhoods, in our classrooms, uh, in the cubicles across from us, and all those ways that Seda mentioned. And I want to pray that we would respond and pray that we, God would give us specific ways to respond as a church. But before we do all that, I want to pray that, that we'd respond to God in gratitude for the great salvation that he's given to us. That would be stirred afresh with the good news of the gospel personally. So let's sing together. And then after we sing, I'm going to take a couple minutes. And I'm not, I'm not say is not aware of this, but I'm going to take a couple minutes and actually interview Seda at the end of this. So you can have some time to hear about what he's going to be doing in Japan and how you can participate together. So for now, let's sing and then pray that God would stir our own hearts afresh with the good news of the gospel. Let's sing. Seda is... Uh, is currently in the midst of preparing to go and plant a church in in Tokyo. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, it is a one square mile area that has about 26,000 people in that one square mile. And there is no gospel community, no church there. And so Seda is going to prepare to be a part of that church plant soon. Seda, when do you head out to go there? Or when are you hoping to head out? Uh, we're hoping to move to that area in March next year. Okay. And, yeah. and what drew you to that area? What, what, what brought you there? What highlighted that area of Tokyo? Yeah, we, um, we started exploring um, God's will for, for my family and as, as a church, um, what God is calling us, God uh, was calling us to uh, do in Japan. And we took a trip last July, not this uh, past July, but a year and a half, almost a year and a half ago, we took a trip to Tokyo and got connected with some of the missionaries and people who are doing uh, great gospel work there. And when I visited this area and walked around this area and heard the strategic nature of this place, um, it's right on the Tokyo Bay, uh, newly developed Tokyo waterfront area, uh, man-made islands and just a few metro stops from uh, the Tokyo Station, which is the heart of the city. And a lot of young people, young professionals, uh, people my age and uh, with the young kids are moving into this, this area. And this tiny island, less than one square mile, has about 26,000 people, as Matt mentioned, and more than 160,000 people use that metro stop every single day. And thousands pour in to, to work and shop and, and, and to, um, to live there. And around this area has about 126,000 people. They're, uh, they're expecting the population to grow over 200,000 by 2020. And there is no single church of any kind. I'm not just talking about, you know, no Catholic church or no Protestant church, no church whatsoever in this, uh, in this two mile radius. And so that's the kind of place that we're, hoping to go into. So here in Greenville, that's it's not our experience. We have about 900 churches in the, the upstate <laughs> area. Right. And yeah. it's a very different experience for us as a community. Uh, we get to benefit from the gospel in many ways, affecting culture, affecting us, our neighborhood. And, and we have an opportunity to share the gospel with people who may have heard it already. Um, Seda, how many people would you say, what's the percentage of, of people who profess faith in Jesus Christ in, Japan, in, in Tokyo and in Japan? Uh, in terms of Protestant worshiper on Sundays, it's about 0.22%. Okay, and so how, many people, one, how many people are in Tokyo? Uh, the greater Tokyo, it's hard to sort of draw a boundary, you know, uh, deciding where, where Tokyo ends. But in the okay. greater Tokyo metro area, uh, they have about 35 million people. It's the world's largest um, metropolitan area. 35 million people, point. Zero two two of the people there 
have, have heard about and professed Jesus Christ. What a great gospel opportunity you have. And you're, you're hoping to move there. When are you hoping to move time frame? Japan and in January or when? March. In yeah. March. Okay, yeah, yeah. excellent. What's necessary between now and March for you to be able to go there? What's necessary financially, logistically? What are some ways that we can be praying for you? What's the financial mm-hmm. need there? Start with that. Um, <laughs> I always sort of hesitate to, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm asking. You have to tell. So <laughs> mention, mention a number because it's so big. And, you know, when I first saw the number, I was like, no way, you know, this, this is impossible, but we have to uh, raise about $200,000 a year, uh, because things uh, generally 20 to 40% more expensive to rent a one, uh, uh, tiny three bedroom apartment, uh, would cost about three to $4,000 a month. Uh, in Japan, and things are just so expensive, and so we have to raise a lot of money. <laughs> and so what are you looking for? You're looking for a three-year commitment for you to be able to go there is what they're asking you to for or help raise support for that? Uh, that would be helpful, <laughs> but any and all, you know, one-time gifts and, and anything like that would be so for a three-year so, period, is it something around 500000 if I remember correctly, for three years yeah, to, five to six. support? Now, is that all your salary, or what does that go to work? <laughs> no, that, that would include uh, salary benefits and also uh, ministry costs. Uh, it costs a lot of money to rent spaces for meetings, and um, so that, that includes everything. That, that money is not going to – that was a <laughs> yeah. joke. Uh, yeah. That money is not going, going to Seda's pocket. That, that right. money would be for That's renting right. facilities, for also uh, having venues to be able to share the gospel. Yes. Um, and then the cost of doing ministry. Yes. Right? Yep. Correct. Excellent. Now, that's extremely high cost. Yes. How much of that have you raised so far? We're at about 45%. Okay, um, well, that's, that's an area of prayer for folks. Yes. What could be some other areas that we could pray for you in, in addition to finances? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the biggest way that people can uh, help us, support us, is uh, to to get on our prayer update list. And um, Mark's going to be out uh, in the, whatever you call Where it. Where we the, book the, table out the there. The book table. Excellent. And uh, he has his iPad and keyboard. And all you have to do is just type in your name and email. And we, we send out prayer updates every uh, every two weeks or so um, uh, so that you can know how, how you can be praying for us and praying for the gospel advancement in, in Tokyo and, and beyond. And we would love for you guys to, to be praying for us and to partner with us uh, through through your prayers. Are there anything specifically as, as you and Emma and your kids are preparing to go over there that we can pray for you personally? Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I think finance, um, we trust that the Lord will provide for us. But there are other um, things that we need to think about, things that, that I don't normally uh, have to think about, uh, like, you know, how does healthcare work and how does taxes work and, and what can we take to Japan? What can we not take? You know, what do we need to put in storage and what do we need to do the house, to the house so that, so that we can rent or sell? Uh, so there are all these decisions that, that would require, um, wisdom from the Lord. And, uh, so at times we can, we can be so overwhelmed, uh, with a number of tasks that we, we need to do to To be able to to go to Japan, so if you can pray for us, that God will sustain us and sustain our faith towards Him and uh, provide uh, wisdom and grace for us to to move forward. So, thank you, Seda. If you can imagine the effect that someone from Japan has who's experienced and encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ, getting to share the gospel with. Others who he understands their culture, understands the background, understands things. It's, it's going to be a much more effective way at, at sharing the gospel than if you were to send somebody like me over there. And Satan can say, I too was affected by Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to be able to partner together. As our, our mission as a church is to be disciples of Jesus Christ who are growing as disciples and making disciples. And this is a great way that we can be able to partner together with him. So I'm asking you as a church, consider praying for him. We want you to pray for Seda, pray for his wife, Emma, for their family. Pray for the church plant in Tokyo. Pray that, that the power of the gospel, that Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, would break through every barrier. Because he's going to encounter a lot of barriers as well. He's going to encounter some severe cultural barriers, some severe religious barriers. All those barriers he was talking about are not unfamiliar things as he's contemplating, as he's going to go back to his home country. But thanks be to God that he breaks through every barrier. Amen.
Just just miss one thing. Uh, If you would like to find out more about the place that we're going to and uh, what we're seeking to be a part of, what the Lord's doing in Tokyo, uh, we have a website. Um, Our address is tokyomission.org. And that website has more information about uh, what we're seeking to be a part of. And also, uh, if you don't get a chance to um, sign up today to get our prayer updates, you can go on the website and click on the pray um, section tab (laughs) and uh, sign up uh, there as well. So I would uh, ask that you would would go there, tokyomission.org, and find out more information. And also, um, if you have a heart for missions and... Uh, you're not sure what to do with it and would like to explore like a short-term opportunity. Uh, there's just a you know bunch of opportunities in Tokyo. Um, whatever gifts that you may have, uh, art is valued, music is valued. And um, so whatever gifts that you may have, English is valued. So if you speak English, uh, <laughs> you'll be a superstar. Mostly. <laughs> Most of us speak English. Not, <laughs> not all of us do. <laughs> yeah, I speak English, so... Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you will be valued in, in Tokyo. So if you're interested, uh, please talk to Matt and, you know, hope to, um, we hope to keep in touch and so you can, you can participate that way as well. So thank you so much. Excellent. Well, before he leaves, I want to take just a few minutes and pray for him. Uh, I'm going to get Aaron to come up and then Chris Menard, Chris Johnson, if you can come up as well. And I think Doug is actually in class teaching children's ministry this morning, but I want to pray together with you that God would just bless you. Aaron, would you lead us in prayer? Father, we thank you this morning for these reminders of your unstoppable gospel. That it is indeed the power of God unto salvation. And there are no barriers in which you cannot overcome. Lord, would we see and hear testimonies more and more of the fruit of that reality in our midst? We pray, would you Use the words that you have brought to us today to stir us up, to move us out, to mobilize us for the mission that you have called us to be a part of. And as Seda and Emma and their family prepares to go to Tokyo, Lord, would you strengthen them? Would you give them courage for the mission and the trials and the challenges ahead? Would you give them clarity and discernment for just the different things that they have to walk to, even to get ready. Lord, would you bring the finances? Most of all, would you help them to see that you are doing this work? That you are bringing your gospel to these people? Or that you have called him to be a vessel, a mouthpiece? You are, you are calling him simply to open his mouth and to be faithful, and that you will do the work that only you can do. We thank you for how he has responded to your call. Now we pray that there will be much fruit. Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for your gospel to spread and for it to be unstoppable in the nation of Japan. Lord, these are not things that are too big for us to ask you, for you are able to do far more than all that we can ask or imagine. So would you show yourself strong and your good news unstoppable? For your glory, we pray these things and for the good of those that don't know you. Amen. Thanks. And in closing, I want to ask a few things uh, as, a, as a church. If you can, if you please can pray for Seda, pray for the church plant in Japan. And don't forget, there is going to be a sign-up. Um, Mark is heading out there right now to the book table. He's going to be taking names. Please add your name to the list so that Seda can know that you are supporting him and praying for him and, more importantly, can be a part of spreading the gospel through our prayers. You can't go to Japan. Not everybody can raise that kind of support either, but you can pray for the gospel to go forth in Japan and be part of the gospel spread in that way. And then also, I want you to consider how you can give financially. We're not going to take an offering right now, but um, over the next couple of weeks, over the next two weeks, we're going to have um, a time to take up an offering, and then we want to send that to 
uh, to SEDA to support the, the work that God is doing there. So please, please pray about how the Lord would stir you to give financially out of what he's given you and out of the increase the Lord has provided you with. How can you plant gospel seeds through giving financially? So I want you to consider that. And then I want us to apply Seda's message. He encourages us to do a few things. Pray the Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see the great privilege that the Lord has for us in sharing the good news with the lost. Pray that God would give us his eyes for the lost around us. Pray that God would give us faith to leave our comfort zones, to go, as Seda said, go across the street, go across the cubicles, across the classrooms. Pray that God would give us specific ways to do that. And pray the Holy Spirit would give us words to speak when we open up our mouths, because he will. He will. So thank you for that. Um, thank you, Seda. Appreciate that. We're looking forward to hearing what God is doing there. With that, you may be dismissed. Pick up your kids, sign up on the list. See you next week. Thanks. <laughs>